This is Priya Gupta here with the Dry Eye Chronicles, and I want to welcome everybody today. And so let's talk a little bit about um, treating flares with um, Isuvis. So, you know, we have our first FDA-approved lodopredinol etabinate um, 0.25% suspension called Isuvis from Cala Pharmaceuticals. And, you know, kudos to Cala um, for taking on the tremendous clinical trial work that it takes to study this population. Um, and ultimately, and of course, led to the first FDA-approved drug um, to treat dry eye signs and symptoms on the short-term basis for up to two weeks, um, which would include our flare patients. So, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about um, Isuvis, and you know, it's a steroid. I think we're all very familiar with using steroids um, since its approval. I think I've gotten better at, at thinking about flares because, as all you know, look back to many, many disease states, when you have something you can do for it, you're more apt to recognize it. And so, you know, Chris, let's walk through a little bit about, um, so, you know, we've established what flares are, the importance of treating it, and and why choose, you know, an FDA-approved steroid? What makes Isuvis novel? And, um, you know, walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, well, I think uh, it, it behooves us to mention, if we haven't already, that a flare, um, and in this literature review that we did, uh, one of the overarching similarities is that there is an inflammatory response, and in some cases, it's very acute. In, in fact, one study showed that MMP9 increased to abnormal levels on the ocular surface within two hours of a trigger. So we know that there is, and this is what you were getting at with the innate immune system of that this just a, a rapid immune response to a, a foreign trigger that triggers the ocular surface flare. Uh, and so knowing that inflammation is at the root, and I love the analogy with other uh, autoimmune inflammatory conditions, it's such a perfect anal analogy, you know, with asthma or IBD or other forms of, of rheumatic or inflammatory diseases. Uh, and of course, all those diseases, flares are usually treated with, with steroids too. Uh, uh, and so um, it does make 100% perfect sense for us to treat flares with steroids, plain and simple. And most of us were doing that. We've been doing it for years and years and years. And we've had other lodopredinol uh, uh, formulations available to us and, and other, you know, there's zillions of other steroids that you know, we've, we've reached to in the past to treat flares. We might not have called them flares, uh, we may not, uh, you know, we certainly didn't have an FDA approved medication for the flares, but, you know, uh, ocular surface dry eye specialists like us and others, you know, had, had a threshold uh, for, for reaching to those. But a lot of people have, you know, have, have had and, and have reservations, um, uh, certainly before the approval of Isuvis, of using something like a steroid. I mean, a lot, some people still have reservations to using immunomodulators, you know, for dry eye disease. That's another whole. That's a topic for another whole, <laughs> <laughs> another whole podcast. But um, but uh, but in the modern era, and very thanks to Isuvis being approved, that that there is an FDA approved stamp on this steroid in particular for treating these patients with flares, with you know a steroid. So I would hope that anyone who's ever been on the fence uh, will now have a much lower threshold and an acceptance of writing a prescription for steroids for these patients who I'm, I guarantee every clinician, optometry, ophthalmology, every day will see somebody who could probably benefit from this because they're having a breakthrough flare 
of either pre-treated or uh, chronically treated dryadices or uh, undiagnosed dryadices, but who are suffering from an acute exacerbation. Yeah, I think that, the, I mean, that's so right on. And for me, one of the things that makes Isuvis um, a a drug of choice to treat flares is it, you know, we don't, we haven't traditionally been forced to think about drug delivery and how drugs can be designed to smartly penetrate in the eye. Isuvis is powered with Amplify, which is a mucus penetrating particle. And, you know, it, it's just a lot of words to essentially say that it helps to navigate the natural ocular surface barrier, right? When we think of mucus, it, uh, we often don't think about it in the eye. You know, it's a component of the tear, but it's very, it's a vital structure to the tear film. It clears away foreign bodies. It helps with lubrication. But it also, you know, when we think about drug delivery, the traditional, you know, suspension molecules will be delivered onto the surface and large particles will be bound by the mucin and cleared. And so um, Amplify technology, you know, this is a nano small size molecule. So it's able to penetrate the um, mucus, which means that it's delivered to the target tissues, which, you know, when we think of ocular surface disease, the cornea and the conjunctiva are the two structures that we want the best delivery. It really is, um, you know, as a clinician, I feel more comfortable writing something that's FDA approved, but it's also a targeted molecule for the ocular surface. And it gives me more confidence to say that the drug is going to be delivered where I want it. I see this lodopradinolotabinate ophthalmic suspension, 0.25% is a corticosteroid indicated for the short term up to two weeks treatment of the signs and symptoms of dry eye disease. The most common adverse drug reaction following the use of Isuvis for two weeks was installation site pain, which was reported in 5% of patients. Prolonged use of corticosteroids may result in glaucoma with damage to the optic nerve, defects of visual acuity, and fields of vision. If this product is used longer than two weeks, IOP should be monitored. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. We should think of the mucin layer as a shield. A protective layer. It protects the epithelium from damage. It keeps things from getting into the eye, like you said. Um, but, and so in order to penetrate the conjunctiva and the cornea, like you said, you have to get through it. And that's where this Amplify comes in and the mucus, uh, mucin penetrating particles. Uh, and, and like you said, we don't want it to get, we want it to get right into that layer, the cornea and conj. We don't want it to stay on the surface and get washed away with blinks and tears. We also also don't need it to get into the eye because we're not tra treating uveitis. We want it on the cornea conjunctiva, where the inflammation is in ocular surface disease and dry eye disease flares. And so it's a great concept, and that is why it is uniquely positioned uh, where it is and why it got the FDA approval. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about you know in our own clinical practices. Um, where are you finding kind of um, the best spot for? prescribing Isuvis? Is it, you know, only for flares? Is it in your chronic patients? Yeah, I, you know, I think, you know, we see such a variety of patients every day that it's hard to sort of put, put it in one category. I think it is appropriate for any form of ocular surface dry eye inflammation, uh, whether it's started yesterday or a year ago. But if I'm seeing the patient and they have inflammation related to ocular surface disease, whether they've already been treated. And a lot of my patients who have been treated by me for long periods of time on and have reached a, a nice plateau, uh, whether it's immunomodulators twice a day and artificial tears and warm compresses, or maybe a lipid flow here and there. Um, 
or people who are just on artificial tears. You know, uh, there's so many different patients, and our goal is always to reach a homeostasis. To take the TFOS two definition, define homeostasis with essentially the minimum intervention. That, at least that's my motto. We want to keep them. We don't want to. We don't want patients on drops every five minutes because then their life is ruined from the medicated, from the treatment. At the same time, we don't want to neglect people and, and not treat them with anything and they suffer with dry eyes. So you have to find that perfect balance of minimum treatment to keep them comfortable and not thinking about their eyes all day. But even with the best treatment, as we were saying before, people will still have breakthroughs. They will still have these flares and it doesn't matter what they were on or not on prior to that. They're in front of you with an inflamed eye we, you know, I know you use inflammatory and osmolarity and diagnostic objective diagnostic tools, as do I. And our ASPERS algorithm, of course, heavily uh, recommended those uh, objective metrics for a number of reasons. But, you know, flares are usually, certainly the symptom is there. Often a sign is there, whether it's red conjunctiva or uh, PEE or some other evidence of, of acute inflammation. But you also have the, the diagnostic tool of inflammatory MMP9 that we utilize as part of our protocol in somebody who comes in with these symptoms. And so I can see that there is objective evidence of, of an inflamed eye. And so I've got all the all the evidence I need, suffering patient and, and proof positive inflammation to treat them no matter what they were on before with Isuvis because that's exactly what it's approved for. We should use it in those situations, whether you have seen that patient before or not, or if I'm going to start them on chronic therapy, like an immunomodulator, it still makes sense to get that inflammation under control as quickly as possible. Uh, and so a naive patient, a, a treated patient, any acute flare should still be treated, I think, with yeah, absolutely. And I, I think so we have a little case here that so, you know, a patient with mild to moderate to dry eye who's been just using artificial tears, you know, someone that's not maybe on an immunomodulator um, and is having sort of this, you know, acute worsening of symptoms or what you'd call uh, a flare, uh, a few, you know, maybe it happens periodically, maybe, you know, it just happened, but they're, you know, kind of quiet. Um, when they see you, what, what sort of, you know, I think I get a lot of questions about patients that are, I think docs inherently understand if someone's on an immunomodulator, they have a chronic disease and they were symptomatic and yep, it makes sense. Let's treat them either for induction or, or with acute flares on their chronic disease. But, um, I, at least in my clinic, you know, as if you look a little harder for flares, some of these mild to moderate patients that, you know, maybe don't want to take a chronic therapy because they're they don't self-identify as having chronic dry eye disease. They have intermittent dry eye where they might say, oh, it's just, you know, allergy season gets me. Um, you know, is Isuvis a, a good choice for that type of patient? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, if, if, a, if a patient is having a flare, uh, no matter if they have the most mild dry eye and they're only using artificial tears once a week, you know, anybody is susceptible to a flare and by the definition they have inflammation and they have symptoms so the short answer is yes uh, you know those all of those patients are perfectly reasonable candidates for isuvis simply because it is the fastest way to get that inflammation under control i still believe in 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 avoidance and i still believe in 
environmental modifications and patient education and keeping diaries of what triggers people and so on and so forth. Because I do think in an ideal world, nobody would be on any drops whatsoever because we would really avoid these things um, uh, with careful uh, you know, uh, analysis of environments and things like that. But uh, the short answer is yes. You know, the, a flare is a flare. A flare is inflammation. And the fastest way to get inflammation quieted down and pa patients back to baseline is with uh, a topical steroid like Isubis. Yeah. And, and for those patients, you know, the one thing I might do a little differently, it, Isubis is FDA approved to treat four times a day for up to two weeks. But these are patients where I might use it twice a day um, and maybe even do it for a shorter period of time, depending on, you know, how significant the flare is. Um, and then, you know, I do like to follow up with the patients to make sure that you know, their IOP is stable and that they're also, you know, um, doing better after their uh, flare. And that, that information, you know, can be valuable because, you know, it gives you a sense of, hey, how much therapy was required to get them to be quiet um, and it could guide uh, future treatments. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I always, I, I always, you know, I, I, it's nice to have the two-week kind of label. Be, uh, but I, I feel that in most patients who have flares, we can usually control the symptoms quicker than two weeks. Uh, I usually, at least what I learned as a resident may not be true, but that two weeks is kind of the, the threshold for steroid response usually. And uh, if patients are on a steroid for less than two weeks, there's a much lower chance of developing steroid response in a patient without glaucoma or known steroid response. Isuvis, lodopredinol, tapinate ophthalmic suspension, 0.25%, is a corticosteroid indicated for the short-term, up to two weeks treatment of the signs and symptoms of dry eye disease. The most common adverse drug reaction following the use of Isuvis for two weeks was installation site pain, which was reported in 5% of patients. Prolonged use of corticosteroids may result in glaucoma, with damage to the optic nerve, defects of visual acuity, and fields of vision. If this product is used longer than two weeks, IOP should be monitored. Rarely do I have a patient who takes the drop four times a day for two full weeks. Um, and I usually do encourage my patients to kind of stop it after the symptoms have fully resolved and sort of get back to that baseline kind of maintenance therapy. Uh, you know, less is more in this case. Um, and it, for that same reason, if a patient comes back and says, yeah, you know, I took it for, I took it four times a day for three days and I felt better and I stopped and I went back to my artificial tears. So I went back to my topical immunomodulator and went, you know, eight months feeling great. And then I got on a plane and went to Paris and came back and now I'm a wreck again. Well, in those patients, one, you, you can start transitioning these patients to, uh, to you know, having refills and having bottles at home, and you know, if, if the patient is highly compliant and, and they know the, their their eyes very well and their symptoms, and they've seen me a few times, and we've each time it's oh, you have a flare, uh, go ahead and start the ICU scan. I'm okay with those patients, you know, start sort of doing a couple of days of treatment or three days of treatment on their own, and without necessarily reaching out to me uh, or getting my you know blessing or approval. Um, because, you know, they know what, what it is. They know it's a flare. They, the they've identified the trigger, and that's something that we usually come uh, identify together. Uh, but once the triggers are known, most patients know to either avoid them, and if they can't avoid them, 
when they get their symptoms, they know what it's from and they know what the treatment is and they do it. Yeah, I think I think um, what gives a lot of uh, clinicians, you know, the security that you're describing, I think, is the IOP data that was, um, you know, came out of the large uh, clinical trials, which were uh, done by Cala. And, you know, to me, when I when I look at the real world, and I look at clinical trial data, you know, I'm always trying to compare my own practice, hey, like, you know, kind of verify what uh, whether the clinical trial population was generalizable. And in my own clinical practice, I feel like it has mirrored uh, what we found and was found in the trials, which is uh, an, a very low incidence of IOP elevation. Sometimes it's not realistic for them to come in while they're having an acute flare. Um, I do always kind of encourage patients to, you know, if they do have the medication at home, they can start it, but we, we do like to see them in the office and, um, you know, make sure that we're monitoring all the important parameters, just like you mentioned. Um, but I think that uh, this medication has really been something that, you know, both clinicians can rally around and patients, because obviously the patients are getting the symptom relief. Um, but also, you know, clinicians uh, can kind of breathe a little bit easier. Um, and so, you know, to wrap it up a little bit, you know, for our amazing audience here, what would you share as kind of your parting pearls about treating dry eye disease flares with um, a short-term therapy like Isuvis? Well, I don't know if I necessarily have any pearls that we haven't covered, um, but I would just say to, to take a line from Nike, you know, just do it. If, you, if you've, been <laughs> on the, you've been on the fence, which a lot of people have been, um, uh, you know, if you're, you're a little like, oh, gosh, steroids, they're, they're, they're not, they have no role in ocular surface or dry eye disease. No, that's antiquated thinking. Just do it. Your patients will thank you. Just do it. Those patients who are suffering, who are, you know, having this ob very obvious flare sitting in front of you saying, oh, my God, I just, you know, I, was, I did an eight-hour Zoom and I can't, I, I can't go out outside without tearing up or squinting from the exquisite, you know, photophobia and sensitivity and, and grittiness and irritation of my eyes. It, it just something happened. And there's so much, you know, those are patients who need medication and just do it. You know, Chris, maybe maybe an ad campaign like that will actually move the needle because, yeah. you know, as, as clinicians, I, I would say my parting pearls would be very much in line with yours. Um, it doesn't have to be hard to have a paradigm shift in thinking um, because this medication is, you know, it's it's FDA approved. It's been studied. There's a lot of data behind it, but it also has such strong uh, real world applications to our ocular surface disease patients. And I think if you ask any, you know, cornea intersegment specialist, they will absolutely say, yep, I've been using steroids for years in my patients. And it really is, you know, a smart molecule. It's a, you know, an advanced drug delivery platform. And so, you know, my, my call to action for everybody is to understand why not all steroids are the same and to understand which steroids you want to use in, in different patient populations. Um, that targeted drug delivery is very um, valuable for us as clinicians, but also for the patients. So great. Thank you for joining us. Um, I don't know how or why time flies so quickly. I feel like I could talk to you for about 10 hours on this topic, probably because we have <laughs> at times. But um, thank you so much for joining and um, I hope to see you again soon. My pleasure, Bri. Always great to see you. Always great to talk to you about this. And hopefully we will see each other very soon. Absolutely.
Please listen to the following important safety information. Indication. Isuvis Lodoprednol Etabinate Ophthalmic Suspension 0.25% is a corticosteroid indicated for the short-term, up to two weeks, treatment of the signs and symptoms of dry eye disease. Important safety information. Contraindications. Isuvis, as with other ophthalmic corticosteroids, is contraindicated in most viral diseases of the cornea and conjunctiva, including epithelial herpes simplex keratitis, dendritic keratitis, vaccinia and varicella, and also in mycobacterial infection of the eye and fungal diseases of ocular structures. Warnings and precautions. Delayed healing in corneal perforation. Topical corticosteroids have been known to delay healing and cause corneal and scleral thinning. Use of topical corticosteroids in the presence of thin corneal or scleral tissue may lead to perforation. The initial prescription and each renewal of the medication order should be made by a physician only after examination of the patient with the aid of magnification such as slit lamp biomicroscopy and, where appropriate, fluorescein staining. Intraocular pressure, IOP, increase. Prolonged use of corticosteroids may result in glaucoma with damage to the optic nerve, as well as defects in visual acuity and fields of vision. Corticosteroids should be used with caution in the presence of glaucoma. Renewal of the medication order should be made by a physician only after examination of the patient and evaluation of the IOP. Cataracts Prolonged use of corticosteroids may result in posterior subcapsular cataract formation. Bacterial infections Use of corticosteroids may suppress the host response and thus increase the hazard of secondary ocular infections. In acute purulent conditions of the eye, corticosteroids may mask infection or enhance existing infection. Viral Infections Use of corticosteroid medication in the treatment of patients with a history of herpes simplex requires great caution. Use of ocular corticosteroids may prolong the course and may exacerbate the severity of many viral infections of the eye, including herpes simplex. Fungal infections. Fungal infections of the cornea are particularly prone to develop coincidentally with long-term local corticosteroid application. Fungus invasion must be considered in any persistent corneal ulceration where a corticosteroid has been used or is in use. Fungal cultures should be taken when appropriate. Adverse reactions. The most common adverse drug reaction following the use of Isuvis for two weeks was installation site pain, which was reported in 5% of patients.